Yeah, this is Mary Jo Smith. And this is Ian Smith. No, no relation. relation. Um, Colleen Smith, who's my, my usual co-host, is not here. Uh, who is related to Ian Smith. Colleen Smith is Ian Smith's sister, my co-host. No relation to me. Correct. Correct. And she's in Vegas doing... How long um, are you confused? I know. Yeah. Just listen to the podcast. You'll catch up. Um, she is in Vegas uh, with the Henson Alternative Group. Um, doing, doing Pop, Pop it, up. it Up at the Venetian. Check it out. If you're in Vegas, go. If you're not in Vegas, get there. Go. Um, it's totally worth seeing and hilarious and funny. And a lot of people that have been on this podcast are also there puppeting up. In fact, I think I first met you at Pop, Pop it, it Up on Hollywood at the Avalon. Oh, yeah. see? Yeah. Muppets bringing people together. Um, tonight? Uh, are you shedding a tear? Yeah, shedding yeah. a tear. Okay. Uh, tonight, uh, we are doing the first time I wrangled with the cops, with the po-po. Uh, the first time I was in trouble with the police, however you want to interpret that. Yeah. Uh, tales of... of uh, highlights of misdemeanors. Yes, highlights <laughs> of misdemeanors. I like that. That's very good. Yeah. Or felonies. Yeah. We'll see what the stories, how the stories unfold. Um, tonight, our guests are Christina Caraba, Woo! also known as K-Boom. Sometimes. In small circles. <laughs> and Mr. Ben Wells. Hey. Hey, hey. hey. hello. Hello. And Ian Smith, who uh, also, f- uh, to, for our listening audience, is, is known as Ian Phone Smith. Yes, he Dr. Is our, Phones. Dr. Phones is our audio engineer. He's also telling a story tonight. Yes. And then you have me. And I'm going to start us off uh, with a story uh, for this August 1st edition of My First Time. All right? All right. So, um, okay. So let me set the stage for you guys. So... Um, I, uh, I had, I, I left home fairly early, so I moved out when I was 15, and I had a lot of, um, different sort of odd jobs, and I lived in a small town, and there wasn't a lot going on, um, in this small town, so as often happens when you live in a small town, what, the really only thing to do is to get into trouble. So I did a lot of getting into trouble, I did a lot of drugs, I did a lot of drinking, and I did a lot of shenanigans. Um, and I was living in Ojai, which is a popular small town outside of Los Angeles that at the time was not the hip sort of LA retreat that it is now. Now it's sort of like all of the Hollywood, you know, Hollywood celebrities own big mansions out there and they go out there for the weekend and you go to the Ojai Valley Inn. And the Ojai Valley Inn was there then, but it wasn't the sort of high class destination that it is today. It was pretty much this small sort of hippie town with a lot of shops that sold crystals and things like that. And everything sort of shut down early. There was one movie, is one movie theater. At the time there was one stoplight, there are now three. Um, There's one movie theater that played two shows a night and then closed down, like there's nothing to do. Early farm meets alternative hippie lifestyle. Yeah, indeed. And um, I had a lot of odd jobs, but one of the jobs that I had, and this is all sort of preamble to my cop story, but one of the jobs that I had was I got a job as a fry cook in a bowling alley coffee shop. And one of the great things about the job was that there was also a bowling alley bar. And so we would pass um, food to the bartenders, and the bartenders would pass drinks to us. And, and my girlfriend, who was the waitress, and myself, I would work the night shift, and we were up until 2 in the morning because the bar was up until 2 in the morning. And um, we would just get hammered. And the only people that would come in there at night were the cops. And so we would give the cops lots of French fries, and we would chat up the cops, and we would talk to the cops. And I was in, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, I'm getting in with the cops. Like, this is kind of a good thing. And then meanwhile, I'd be drunk and trashed, and we would go in the walk-in freezer and, like, get the cans of Ready Whip and suck the gas out of them. <laughs> <laughs> whippets. Yeah, whippets, totally. 
And uh, my boss, her, this, my boss is this woman named Susan, who is really nice lady, but completely clueless to the debauchery that was happening mm-hmm. on the graveyard shift. And because she, she, when she would get angry, she would say, "Oh, sugar!" Like she, that was like sort of the extent of her, <laughs> of her anger and her, um, her violence would just, "Oh, sugar!" Uh, so um, and it was, it was, it was wonderful. Um, it was a great job, and I loved it. And we would, we would get wasted all night and cook burgers and fries for whoever came in, mostly cops. And then we would clean up and sort of stumble out of there at like three thirty in the morning and watch horror films till noon, and then pass out, and then get up and come back to work. Like that was my life. Um, so the other part of my life was I had a really great circle of friends, and um, one of them was my really good friend whose name is was Derek. Um, and uh, Derek was, you know how like, there's sometimes in your life where you just meet a person who sort of defies definition. They're larger than life. There's something about them that you just, the first time I saw Derek was at an audition for a community play. And he, having nothing to do with the play, sang You Light Up My Life for his audition. And Derek was kind of like the Charles Nelson Riley of my adolescence. Like he was just this big, loud, flamboyant, over the top character personality. He had this big sort of Elvisy looking blonde hair that he would toss back and he just had this swagger about him and he had a barrel chest and he walked with it out and he just he wore paisley ascots for no reason when he was 15 and he smoked cigarettes and he drank with a pinky finger out like he was just this crazy character and I just I saw him up on the stage singing you light up my life and totally committing to it and it was absurd and it was everybody in there was laughing for the wrong reasons but he was totally committed and he got the part and all I could think of was like I just want to be this guy's friend. I just was obsessed with him. Who is this guy? I'd never seen him before. I think at the time I was 13, I was just like, I, I need to know who this, this guy is. And he and I became really, really good friends. And he also had a really um, fucked up evil streak, and he liked to play horrible pranks on people. Um, like one time, um, like he used to cut, like he would cut your hair while you were sleeping. Like he would cut your hair. Yeah, he was like, he was a total dick. And one time, this is totally, I'm tangenting on my own story. But one time he came over and he got trashed at my house because he was just a raging alcoholic. I can say all this about him because he's dead now, so he can't sue me. Um, And so I went and I bought, I know, it's horrible. I went and I got a uh, doll that had blonde hair and I cut all the hair off the doll and he was passed out on my couch and I sprinkled it all over him while he was sleeping and he woke up and thought that I had cut off all his hair and then he uh, ran around the house and tried to hit me with a frying pan before he realized it wasn't his hair. So that was Derek and I just loved him. And um, so this story, uh, that all of that is leading up to this. So... Ojai is a very small town. Um, people, kind of everybody knows everybody. And I and because I worked at the bowling alley, I did know the cops. But I was also afraid of the cops. And I'd been chased through the orchards. Ojai is sort of a, an agricultural, this little town in the middle of citrus and avocado fields in the Topatopa Mountains, just outside of Santa Barbara. It's beautiful, but it's remote. And so, you know, the cops spent a lot of time chasing teenagers through the hills and through the, past, the not pastures, what do you call it? Orchards. Um, so, uh, on this particular night, Derek had a Volkswagen van, and it was one of those cool, like, if you were a teenager, it was the car you wanted, you know, it was like a cool 60s Volkswagen van, but it was a junk car, and it was like, 
rusted floor. You, there were holes in the floor, so if you were drinking, you could just throw the bottles or the cans out the oh. floorboards on the freeway, and it would just disappear, and you would have no evidence, which we failed to do. When we get to the story, I'll tell you why we didn't do that. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and it was, it had curtains, like it had all the cool stuff, but it didn't have brakes. So <laughs> when he, whenever you'd want to stop, you had to sort of like ease up on the emergency brake to just sort of yeah. like, you know, put it in neutral, try to sort of slow down, maybe head for a little bit of a slope, upslope, and then gently pull the emergency brake and come to a stop. So, um, so this particular night we'd been partying in the riverbed, um, the river bottom, which was never had any water in it. And we would hang out there and just smoke marijuana and drink and listen to music until either somebody, you know, it was too late and time to go home or somebody called the cops or for whatever reason. So there were about five of us in the van and we were just kind of cruising around and we, um, we were plotting, this is a story for another podcast, but we were plotting a voodoo ceremony. So we were like looking for a place where we might, we were sort of scouting for voodoo ceremony locations. So we were just sort of driving around Ohio, like, oh, this would be a good place to do a voodoo ceremony, you know, like you do, like looking for a voodoo ceremony. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, all the time. I do that every weekend. I knew you would understand that. Very um, I know, sorry. Um, and we were pretty wasted. And we were singing, whatever was on the radio, and... Um, all of a sudden we realized that there's we pass a cop and everybody gets really quiet in the van like somehow that's gonna help like shh we're, you know we're 100 yards we're going 40 miles an hour we're 100 yards from the cop car but everybody be quiet and sure enough the cop car pulls out and starts following us and we're stoned and the van reeks of weed and we have weed and we have alcohol and the, the age range of the five people in the van is like 17 to 19 like everybody's young underage nobody should be drinking it this is not a good situation so you know this is another thing where you, when you're in trouble or when trouble's coming or when something bad's going to happen things seem to sort of happen in slow motion right except that it, like it just seems like it takes a long time for it to happen but in this case things were taking a really long time to happen like i know this i know that this cop knew that we were fucked up. Like, there's no way he didn't. We were driving crazy, there was probably smoke coming out the windows, but he didn't turn his lights on, he just started following us. And we don't have any brakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we just kept driving, and it was like, well, slow down, I don't have any brakes. So like, we're trying to maintain a speed, and driving through Ohio, which is mostly 25, some places are 35 miles an hour, and it's fairly hilly, so you would come down a hill a little bit, and you'd start to coast into like 40 miles an hour territory, and you can't, and he's just sort of like easing the brake, easing the emergency brake, so there's no brake lights either, like there's no brakes in this thing, and the cop's just back there, and we know he's back there, and we're freaking out, and the cop's still back there, like, what is he doing? Hurry up, why isn't he turning his lights <laughs> on? Why isn't he pulling us over? Maybe he's just going to pass us by. Maybe he's just going to just be cool, be cool, be cool. Again, like as if they could see, <laughs> you can see into in the, the van. car. Right. <laughs> that you guys are cool. Be cool, be cool, you guys. Just be cool. Um, okay, so Derek is driving. I'm in the back seat with my friend Peter. And um, my friend Jean is in the front seat. And her boyfriend Daniel is also in the car. And, and we're trying really hard not to panic. And Daniel says, holy shit, what do I do with this beer? And Derek says, put it in the door. But Daniel hears, 
drop it down the hole. So he drops a beer out of the bottom of the van, and I know that it has just hit the ground and shattered, and the cop has just driven over it. right over it. And still he doesn't pull us over. Still we're driving around. And like 15 minutes have gone by, and it's like this fucking crazy cat and mouse game where we just know, like, this cop has nothing better to do. Yeah. It's Ojai, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, there's nobody out, the streets are like dark, it's quiet, there's nothing going on, and it's just a Volkswagen van with a bunch of wasted kids and a cop just like holding the little feather in front of the cat, just like swatting at it, just swatting at us. We're just the, ugh. So we're coming to, we sort of left town, we drove around the high school, we came back, kind of circled around the perimeter of the town, we're coming up on the stoplight. And we see, like you can sort of see the crosswalk thing flashing and you know that the light is going to ultimately change and you're going to get a red light. So you have to make that decision, like am I accelerating? Or am I going to try to stop? And I think with having no brakes, Derek thought it would be better to just get through the light before it changed rather than trying to stop with no brakes at this light and wasn't really a hill. But the, being wasted, our timing was off. And so <laughs> he sped up, and the light turned yellow, and the cops right behind us. And so Derek just yanks on the emergency brake. And the Volkswagen man just fishtails. <laughs> into the center of the intersection. And then like in a movie, like just silence. And like the van sort of like settles, it rocks for a second, it just settles. And we're all in the van like quiet. And, and the light turns, the cops just back there, nothing. Oh my God. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? So we're just like, all right, we'll just, just keep driving. Like maybe he's just like, now, now you're so wasted, you're like, we're really not doing anything wrong. Like, maybe this is actually all okay. And just go, just drive. Puts it in gear, starts to drive up the hill. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Okay, finally his lights are on. So we pull over. And I'm in the back of the van. And the van's a dump. I mean, it's a great Volkswagen van, but it's trashed. Cop comes up. Derek. Hi! You know, he's like, really? And he's just wasting. The whole van reeks of weed and... The cop like wants his license, the registration, the whole thing, and then he comes around to the side of the van, he opens the door, and he says, everybody get out. And I see him, and I see his face, and I know who he is. And I know that I've served him. And I know that I've served him burgers and fries many times at the Bowling Alley Coffee Shop at 2 o'clock in the morning. And, I, and I, I see him, and I don't say anything, and I wonder, and I don't think he sees me. And so now we're all sitting on the curb. And uh, they're tossing the van. And they're finding all sorts of, you know, there's more beer in the van. There's beer in the door pockets. There's, they find the marijuana. They find the pipe. They throw the pipe on the ground. They crush it. And then he starts asking for our ID. And I say, I look at him and I go, I don't have any ID. Which was a lie. But I just, and I looked right in his face. And he looked at me. And there was this moment of like, oh shit, you're like, you like served me dinner. Like, like there was a moment where I thought, oh, like he's, like this is gonna be okay. Like he's totally, <laughs> he's totally gonna be like, you're the burger girl. Like, <laughs> you give me dinner. You give me dinner. <laughs> you like, you slipped me a little extra beef once. And so, you 
guys are, t- are you guys are gonna totally like get away with this. And like for a second, I thought, like I'm gonna be a hero. <laughs> and then he goes, get up against the van. Oh. Oh. So now I'm up against the van. Now we're all up against the van. Oh. Now we're being frisked, and they're finding more drugs, and they're finding more oh. paraphernalia, and they're finding all sorts of stuff, and they start handcuffing everybody. And now I've got handcuffs on, and it is the first time I've ever had handcuffs on, and I'm fucking freaking out. Like I actually have handcuffs on. <laughs> this is fucking crazy. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to jail. I'm gonna go to jail. I'm gonna lose my job. I'm gonna like all of the worst possible things that happen. I'm gonna become somebody's bitch in prison. I'm gonna get raped in like the library if they have a library. Because <laughs> I had read Stephen King's Shawshank Redemption even before the movie was out, so I I knew about this shit and like I was freaking out. Then this other cop, he goes back to his car. There's another cop car joins us. I forgot about this part. Another cop car comes and joins us, and he goes, and he goes and he talks to the cop, and he's back there for a really long time, and he has, like, three of us had ID on us, two of us didn't. Um, And uh, he comes back, and he said, and the other cop comes back, and he goes, where are you guys going? And we're like, oh, we're just driving around. We, we were at a friend's house, and now we're just going home. And he goes, it's a long way you took to get home. Because we just let him on this, like, 15-minute <laughs> drive around nowhere. And he said, uh, listen, I'd like to get just let you guys off with a warning. But this is a lot of trouble you're in. We found drugs, and we found alcohol in you guys. And you're all underage. And he said, I'm not, I, you can't drive out of here. Like, we're taking your car. Give us the keys. Like, they took the car. So now they've taken our alcohol. They've taken our drugs. They've taken our IDs. They've taken our cars. They uncuffed us. And they said, uh, the other cop leaves. The f- cop that had originally pulled us over, they had a conversation. The other cop leaves. And the other cop, the, uh, the second cop comes back. And he goes, you. And he's talking to me. And he goes, come here. And so I went over to talk to him. And he goes, you know you're not supposed to be doing this stuff, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'll never do this again. And <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Like, <laughs> I know better than this, and I'm smarter than this. You know me. Like, you know me from the bowling alley. Now I sound like a 50s movie. Like, right. you know me from the bowling alley, man. <laughs> and it was a fucking miracle, and he said, we're going to let you off. We're going to let you guys off with a warning. But if we catch you out here again, you will go to jail somehow get a ride home because we're leaving you here. And they took the van and they took the drugs and they took the alcohol and they let us go. And the next day I went to work and I worked the graveyard shift and that cop came in and I said, (laughs) I went over to him and I was like, can I get you some coffee? And he goes, don't you mean beer? (laughs) I was like, holy shit, this guy's totally fucking with me. Like he's totally fucking with me. And it was almost like, all of a sudden, I wasn't a punk kid anymore. Like, now, once again, I'm the girl who serves him dinner, and it's okay to joke with me, but on the street, it wasn't. Like, somehow, that was not okay. And I was like, huh, yeah, <laughs> do you want a beer? Like, are you, <laughs> you, don't know are you ordering a beer? He's like, no, I'll have coffee and a burger and fries. And I brought it to him. And that was the end of my story. Yeah. Yay! Did you have to instruct them how to break the van? <laughs> Oh my God, I don't even know that it came up. Like they towed it away. They didn't oh, drive they it away. Oh yeah, they t- they brought a truck and they towed it away. Did he get it back? 
he got the van back. Um, and Derek, Derek, who was like, Derek was like the love of my life, even though he was gayer than gay. I, I loved him so much. I wrote Derek plus Mary Jo on my mattress. And then years later, I ripped out that piece of fabric oh. from my mattress, and I still have it. <laughs> and he was just one of those like tragic figures who, like, if he'd lived, I always wonder, like, what would he be doing? He would have been some big creative force in the world, but he just was hell-bent on destruction, and he just drank himself into death and it was really I miss him all the time and um, but he would love that I told this story tonight so this is for Derek <laughs> yay! yay that's my story awesome alright alright so Ben Wells you're up Ben Wells tell us a story about cops cops um, well I'm from Springfield Illinois mm-hmm. uh, which is about three hours south of Chicago hour and a half north of St. Louis, nothing but plains, flat plains, and cornfields, and it's a town of about 100,000 people, uh, capital, so it's a very bureaucratic town. Anyway, um, so I was, the year was like 1997, and, uh, you know, just starting to get into drinking and partying and partying out in cornfields and all that, and, um, you know, we still had to find ways to buy alcohol and I first of all so I I've always looked really young and back then I looked like a baby so I'm 17 but I look like I'm like 14 so the fact that I would even try to buy alcohol is just ridiculous but needless to say I tried we made these fake IDs there and back then they didn't have holograms or any of that you could just they were just laminated you know little pieces of paper with your picture on them <laughs> so mine was from trenton new jersey and yeah. i had this like shit-eating grin what did you have a fake name uh yeah i, I don't remember now it was you know, you know john cernich you or something birthday, no it was my birthday right? no, no it was my exact birthday but just whatever the equivalent oh, yeah. Of, yeah 21 and again i looked i looked 13 or 14 years old like there's no way um and so this this would it would work for me sometimes and other times they just go get out of here kid you know but there was this notorious place on the north side of Springfield called the North Ender. And <clears throat> the North Ender was, people would have a lot of success there, and people would get their IDs taken there. Is this a liquor store? Liquor store. Uh-huh. And so I went in there <clears throat> trying to, you know, roll the dice, get some liquor, and some beer or whatever it was at the time. And, um, you know, they took the ID. And I thought, oh, you know, I think I, you know, paid 20 bucks to have it made or something. So they took the idea. I was bummed out, but I sort of thought that was the end of it. About two days later, I get a call uh, from the county sheriff, and they want me to come down. <clears throat> and they obviously they talked to my dad first. Oh, so they called and asked for your real name, they, not your fake name. They called and asked. They got my plates on the security camera. Oh, wow. <gasps> That's so pretty high tech for yeah. 1997. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think at the time they're probably you know trying yeah, to crack down. Yeah. And and Springfield, here's the thing, like. Not a lot's going on. Same as, oh, you know, yeah. it's just like they're looking. It's not like Los Angeles. They're where the, bored. They're bored. They're yeah. looking for things. They're looking for ways to raise money for the state and the city. And so, you know, they, they had this operation where they were, you know, trying to track kids down that were buying alcohol. So, they, they you know, I go and talk to this cop. <clears throat> he tells me that, uh, you know, I've got to see a judge and my license is going to be suspended. Uh, and I think it was for a year. So my license gets suspended, but there's a provision. I get to drive. My, my parents are divorced. 
and I have a job. I'm working as a lifeguard uh, slash lifeguard slash switchboard operator at a hotel. <laughs> and so I have a job and I'm going to school. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to all of these places all the time. My parents are too busy to take me anywhere. So I, have, I need to get to these places. So I get permits to drive to school, to work, and in between my mom and dad's house, which was pretty great. I mean, that was- oh, so the court said- The court okay. said, these are the places you can go uh, as long as you are either going to these places or en route to these places. If you get pulled over, you can show this permit and you'll be fine, or you'll get a ticket, but, what, but it won't be an illegal driving thing. So I have these permits. And one day on the way home from school, on the way home from school, I might add, there's a keg party. <laughs> so technically, so technically, I was on my way home. Uh, oh God! Semantics. Yeah. yeah, semantics, semantics. So I stop at the keg party, uh, get totally drunk, right, and um, decide that I'm going to get back in my car and finish my route home. Now, a little addendum to the story is it is February 13th, Friday the 13th. Mm. It is also the night before Valentine's Day. So I go, well, I've, I've got, I'm dating this girl, Emily, and uh, I decide, oh, I need, to, I need to get Emily something for Valentine's Day and put it on her windowsill. It was very, very romantic, right? So I go to, I go. <laughs> now, now you're way off route. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, I'm way off. I go to the grocery store, which was called Jewel Osco. Uh-huh. I go to Jewel Osco. I grab a single rose and I, I drive. She lives way out in one of the newer west side suburbs. Um, drive out there, no problems yet. Put the rose on yet. her yet. Put the rose on her windowsill, and I start to head home. It's very romantic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had my moments. I don't know if it's romantic <laughs> or creepy. Yeah. Like, why on her windowsill? <laughs> I'm not I don't sure. know. I was I was like 17. I just thought it was a good idea. I don't know if you're a stalker yeah. or if you're really sweet. She loved it. <laughs> she loved it. So. Uh, here's where I, I don't know what clicked in my brain, but I had this. So I, I was driving a, a little Honda Civic, but it's fair, fairly new. Um, and I got it in my head, you know, every, and, and this would happen from time to time where I, I was like, sort of like to live on the edge. And, <laughs> <clears throat> and so I started, you know, flooring the gas in this little Honda Civic and doing what's called J-turns. And so you, you, you floor the gas, and then you pull the e-brake okay. and flip the car around 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's almost exactly what happened to us in the intersection with the cop behind us. Right. Yeah. Mine was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> you had normal yeah. brakes. I had great, I had great brakes. <laughs> I decided to destroy them. So I'm, I'm, and I'm flying through subdivisions, and I'm, I'm not doing this in, like, open parking lots. I'm going through... This little subdivision on the west side of Springfield doing J-turns in, like, four-way stops. Now, given it's it's 2 in the morning, I'm drunk, and I have no driver's license, <laughs> and I'm 17. <laughs> okay? So I'm doing J-turns, and it's all going – it's a great, great success, right? <laughs> your J-turns are beautiful. My J-turns are beautiful. <laughs> There's on, no – Your J-turns are on fleek. My, oh, they were, on, they were on such fleek. I didn't even know what fleek was back then, and they were fleeking. <laughs> they were so, <laughs> so I get through all these. I get through all the whole subdivision, and I'm I'm back in my neighborhood, and I and I I'm I'm driving towards like the main right turn to get onto my block, and I do another J turn, start driving down my block, and one of my best friends growing up lived right down the street from me. Well, he's out in his front yard smoking a cigarette with this other guy who was sort of 
he had just gotten into our group. His name was Todd. He was kind of an odd character, um, but he was he was hanging with us, and he was out there too. And they were they were both smoking cigarettes out, out front at the time. You know that was cool. we all smoked. Sure, sure. So I, I I pull up and I go, guys, you have to get in the car. I'm doing J turns. <laughs> Did you say it like oh, that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And now Nate, who was my friend that lived down the street, he's a smart guy. He's like, he said, he's like, yeah, no, man, uh, you, you just need to go home. Todd, um, not as smart as Nate, I would, I would say. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Well, also he's the new kid, so he's like trying to Right, be, he's yeah, trying to be cool, he's trying to fit in. Uh, so Todd hops in, we flip around, fly through the intersection, I do a J-turn, he's like, that was great, that was great. So we're going to do another one. I figure we've got one under our belt, why not, why not one more to finish the night off? Now, Nate's house is right on the curve of the street. It's a big, long curve in a subdivision. It's not like blocks like in a, in a, uh, you know, like a regular city. This is a subdivision. So the streets are long and have turns. Nate's house is right on the corner. <clears throat> I floor it from the intersection going onto that street. We're getting up to speed. I'm probably going 70. And Todd, Todd screams, we're not going to make it. <laughs> so I slam on the brakes. And the car does a diagonal, does a, like a V-line straight into the front yard of my friend Nate's house. And he's still in the front yard. He's still in the front yard. He has a three-pronged birchwood tree. And I completely destroy this tree. Smash right into it. Airbags go off. Cars totaled. Todd didn't even have his seatbelt on, Ooh. right? But the airbags, it's a, you know, it's a good car. Airbags worked. We're fine, but it's got that. I don't know if you've ever been in a bad car accident, but the smell, the smell of metal smoke. and smoke and powder from the airbags, it's just like a catastrophe. <laughs> and again, wasted, no 17. license, 17, drunk, and, <laughs> drunk, and I've, I've just totaled a car, knocked a tree down in my best friend's front yard. And <laughs> almost killed another guy. And almost killed another guy. So <clears throat> we're all, we get out of the car, everybody okay? You know, you kind of check. Get your bearings. Is everybody all right? Nobody's. Everybody's got all their limbs. Nobody's bleeding. And uh, we go. All right. Well, we gotta. We gotta figure out what to do. And so, you know, we figure. Well, let's just. Let's just keep it in the family. You know, I know Nate lived with his grandparents. <laughs> keep it in the family. Yeah. Well, we. <laughs> they didn't hear anything. They were deaf. Right? <laughs> no, they came out. They came out. They came out. They're oh, what the hell, Ben? What the hell? You know, go, no, it was an accident. You know, they didn't know about the J-turns and the drinking and the no license. And the rose on the windowsill. Yeah, yeah. That nobody, nobody knew about the rose on the windowsill. Yeah. So we go, okay, well, let's, uh, Nate goes inside. He gets his grandfather. I, I say, well, all right, well, we got it. We got, I got to go home and tell, tell my dad what happened. So Todd's car is right there. Todd drives me home. And, and we pull up. He goes, well, what are you, what are you going to, what are you going to tell your dad? And I'm going Oh my God, it didn't hit me until that moment that I was in serious trouble. I mean, not even necessarily with the police, but just with my, my dad was gonna lose his mind. And so I go- and Your dad is a mind loser. Oh, well, he just, he, back then, my first of all, my brother and I, I have an older brother, two years older, and we were bad. I mean, we just had parties and it, I mean, just like very disrespectful as far as his home and like, he had had enough. We definitely gave him some gray hair. <laughs> so poor guy. So he said, "What you know?" Todd said, "What are you gonna do?" I said, "I think, I think I have to 
freak out. Like I have to get really emotional and just flip out. Otherwise, he's just going to level me. And he goes, yeah, that's a good idea, man. (laughs) So Todd takes off. I open the front door. And I drop to my knees, arms out, platoon style. Going, no! I killed Todd! I killed Todd! My dad, heavy guy, you know, whitey tighties. Runs out, boom, 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 stopping. What's the matter? What's happening? Oh, I'm crying. You know, and I, and I, I was putting it on a bit, but I was emotional. It was it just you didn't even kill somebody. No, I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> I didn't kill you. Right but you know, now? I, I had that, I had the feeling of going through something. I mean, you're just on edge already, and so the emotional availability was right there for me to grab, right. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm all in, ah, screaming. He goes, just calm down, calm down. You gotta tell me what happened. You gotta tell me what happened. I killed Todd. I killed Todd. He goes, shut up, shut up. <laughs> what happened? And I said, we were driving, and I was going too fast, and I hit the brakes, and I ran into Nate's front yard. He goes, well, where's Todd? I go, he left. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean he left? I thought you killed him. It's like, no, he left, but he hit his head, and I think he's going to go to sleep because he has a concussion, and he's going to die. <laughs> so he goes, all right, just let's figure out where to... My dad, you know, he calms down, calms me down. He said, all right, let's let's start at step one here. Where We got to figure out where Todd is, and we got to figure out what the hell's going on with your car. Oh, my God. Is your car still in the front it's yard? It's still in that tree, wrapped around it. <laughs> it's so, still there right now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess right in today yeah. it's still there. <laughs> so my, so, so I, I get a hold of Todd, and Todd, I go, and I find out, okay, Todd went to Teresa's, this girl he's dating, went to Teresa's house. And I said, Dad, Todd's at Teresa's house. He goes, well, he needs to go to the hospital. if he's. And I say, no, he doesn't want anything to do with it. He said he's fine. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like, all right, well, you know, that could be the end of your life if there's something wrong with him. So I'm glad you trust him. But I'm going down to Nate's house. I'm going to figure out what's going on with your car. So he goes down to Nate's house. My dad, without me, because at this point, I'm sobbing and screaming and, you know, yeah, it's a bit put on. But it was working. I mean, to my benefit, it was working. What a manipulative person. Well, he's just relieved everybody's okay, so right. it's not a big he, Yeah, deal. he's yeah. relieved that there isn't anybody really dead. And this is before this country got so litigious. Let's so he goes down. <clears throat> he said, all right, Nate, Nate's grandfather's out here, and they, we're going to get a call, a tow truck. The cops haven't come. We're going to get the car out of the front yard and tow it to a body shop. So <clears throat> they're waiting for a tow truck to come. The cops show up. Now, nobody actually called the cops for the accident. What happened was the cops were just randomly cruising through the neighborhood because people had been vandalizing front yards with what, I can never remember the name, it's either called yarding or skidding, where basically you take a big four-wheel drive truck, pull it into somebody's front yard, and peel out mm-hmm. the back tires to destroy the lawn. Form of vandalism that people like to do in small towns like Springfield. <laughs> oh, they, they, they did yeah. it. I grew up in Brooklyn, and they did it there, too. So. Yeah. So <laughs> cops are randomly driving by and see this little Honda Civic Lucky wrapped you. around a tree. So my dad calls back to the house. He says, the cops are here, and they want to talk to you. 
And I'm going, oh my God, I'm 17. I'm drunk. I have no license. I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> I was coming from dropping a rose off. That was not, there was no <laughs> permit for that. So I say, okay. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard this. Uh, I guess it's an old wives tale, but back in the day, they used to say, if you suck on pennies, yeah. yes. that you can pass a <laughs> breathalyzer test. <laughs> so he says, the cops are coming and they're coming with him. And, uh, you know, you be ready. And I say, okay. So I go and I grab, we've got a big change jar. I grab a handful of pennies and I'm shoving <laughs> filthy pennies into my mouth. <laughs> cops walk in, I've still got them in my mouth and I'm a little, you know, spitting them into my hand and my shirt as the cops are walking through the front door with my dad. Now, still had the, you know, the puffy eyes and the red face and, and you know, explain to the cop what happened, that, you know, I, and, and I bullshitted. I mean, I said, oh, I was coming from my mom's house and, you know, I was just driving too fast and I was worried I wasn't going to make the turn, so I slammed on the brakes. And he said, well, it looks like you've punished yourself enough. I'm going to leave it to your dad to handle this situation. Uh, but just so you know, there was a 105-foot skid mark. We measured it going from the front of the skid mark to where the car was. So you were going very, very fast. Now, I can't let you off scot-free. I'm going to give you a ticket too fast for conditions. Now, wow. that's a huge relief. Huge relief for me. Um, the cop leaves, and my dad just, you know, shakes his head and... Can't believe that this. Now, given it's it's at this point, it's four in the morning. I mean, we've been dealing with this <laughs> all night. Um, <clears throat> and he goes, "Well, y you're you're not gonna have a car anymore. That was it. That was that was the end of you having a car. And uh, you know, we're gonna have to figure out how to pay for Nate's tree. And let's just hope Todd is fine." <laughs> I don't know if Todd was ever fired, but not you never saw him again. <laughs> never saw him. He, no, he, died. he was fine. He was fine. He was fine. He eventually had this sort of not to go so much, but he ended up having like a big falling out, and we with all of our group of friends, and we found out the whole reason he was at our school to begin with was because he had fallen out with another group of people. He was sort of this transient high school friend that would bounce from like wow, yeah, very like very movie. odd, very odd character. Um, <clears throat> so. It gets into this drama of the tree. So over the next week or so, we're trying to figure out like what kind of tree it is, how much it's going to cost. Anyway, so it's this. There's one type of birchwood tree that it was, but you couldn't get it in Springfield, Illinois anymore. So we ended up getting this other type of birchwood tree that the Hickeys, Nate was Nate Hickey was their, their name that they weren't happy with. We replaced the tree. Okay. Jesus, you you literally killed. The I tree. literally killed the tree. Uh, now that point, that point in my life was like, it was a big turning point. I really realized, all right, I need to quite literally slow down and, um, you know, uh, it just changed my ways and it, and it did, it, it affected me in a major, major way. Um, and I kind of got my shit together after that, that night. Um, <clears throat> now, <laughs> so that was pretty much it. That was pretty much the story. However, there's a, there's a, there's an update of about, I want to say, maybe 12 years later. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So 12 years later, I'm, my, I, I'm li I live in Los Angeles now. Much time has gone by. I've 
graduated college. I have a car. Uh, <laughs> I've got my license back. You're leaving dozens uh, of roses. Do- yes, yes, dozens, dozens of roses. Um, so I'm sitting in a restaurant uh, with my dad, his wife, uh, and my brother, and <clears throat> and maybe even my 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 aunt. And uh, we're just talking about stories similar to this, talking about stories of the police and whatnot. And I I get into this story. I said, oh yeah, you know, and I and I tell my dad about the moment before I walk into the house and dropping to my knees platoon style. And he just looked at me and said, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he said, of all the bullshit stories and all the times, I knew you were full of it. That time I believed you. I thought, you know, you really, you really were devastated by that. And... I just can't believe, and I was like, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I was upset, but I knew I had to get out of it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he just he just shook his head. And, you know, there was a moment of, like, yeah. I wasn't really, like, just telling him. There was some sadness, but also, like, yeah, I did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you believe me. You can't, can't believe me. the cop? Yeah. You punished yourself enough? Like, yeah. in what world does that happen? Not Spring, today's yeah, world. not in today's <laughs> world. I mean, you know, I'm sure I'm sure that at the time my dad, too, was probably said, look, this this kid made a mistake. He, I mean, because he, he bought the whole thing. Yeah. And they didn't know about the jig turns and all of that and all the craziness that was behind the story. They just knew what I was telling them. So, Never asked to see your driver's license? No, well, they knew. I mean, oh, they okay. knew that they said where Even we... Even with all of that. Even with all your suspended license and everything. Yeah, because I said I was coming from my mom's house. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry, Dad. All right, Christina, you're up. All right, so if you haven't put it together already, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> Usually people can tell immediately from the accent. Um, born and raised, not a transplant. Grew up there in a very... Uh, blue-collar neighborhood in Brooklyn, very southeast Brooklyn, almost Rockaway. It's called Marine Park. And lots of my friends grew up to be cops and firemen. <laughs> lots of them. One of them's name is Lou. I call him Mabufla, my best friend Lou. And he calls me Mabufka. <laughs> um, I, the story I'm going to tell is the first time I had a run in with the law, but you will have you will see that I had a lot of run-ins with the law because all my friends and lots of my boyfriends were cops. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not really my first one, it's the first one I really had to deal with something legal with a cop. Um, so at the time it was I think 2002. It was definitely post 9-11. It was either 2002 or 2003. Um, my friend Tyler, his name has been changed just because <laughs> I I feel bad if you ever heard this, and you would be mad at me. Um, I worked at Beach One at the time in New York City, and um, I worked in promo just like I do now. And uh, so Tyler left Beach One. We kind of grew up together there. We were uh, production assistants there, and he got another job at one of the other MTV networks. So on a Thursday night, it was his going away party. And in the West Village at this place called Pianos. That was a piano store, 
but it wasn't a piano store anymore. It was like a club, but they never took the facade off, so it just said pianos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was uh, Tyler's goodbye party. <laughs> It was uh, Tyler's goodbye party, and um, a couple of other people had brought some. You just circle your fake name. <laughs> well, thank you. you Mary Jo just circled my fake name <laughs> so I don't screw it up. Um, so uh, it was Tyler's goodbye party, and we were all at this club, and he went outside with a few other people to uh, smoke some weed. And I don't, at the time, I really didn't smoke weed. I was super, like, anti-weed. I don't know why. I don't really have a good reason. It's just, like, <laughs> not my thing. Um, and I stayed inside. And I was sitting there. And, you know, my friends at VH1 all knew that I knew a lot of cops and that I had dated cops. And, you know, like, my life was just filled with all these New York City police officers and firemen. Um, and all of a sudden, this person, this large man, walks up to me. And my maiden name is Mann, M-A-N-N. And this man says, are you Christina Mann? And I, my immediate reaction was, who the fuck wants to know? Because, <laughs> because you're from Brooklyn. Because you're from Brooklyn. You don't just tell somebody who you are. <laughs> so I say, who the fuck wants to know? And then I look and I realize like he's wearing his sergeant's badge on the outside, and I know it's a sergeant's badge because I knew I knew it wasn't a regular police officer badge. And I went, "Oh, sergeant, how can I help you?" Like my tone immediately <laughs> changed to being like all sweet. <laughs> and he was like, "I got a couple of your friends outside," and I'm like, "Oh shit, they're getting arrested!" <laughs> like it all like hits me. So I start digging into my brain into all the cop lingo that I know. So that way I don't say, hey, I know all these cops. I want to more <laughs> be like, here, look at all this lingo I know. Clearly I know a lot of police officers. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and also I had um, had a devastating breakup with this really nice police officer, and I feel really bad about it. <laughs> but a I can't dig into his database of people because he hated me at the time <laughs> like cheated on him and like oh, no. really horrible breakup so that was off the table as an option to sort of help so all I have is Lou who is my, my buffalo my best friend Lou and it's like the middle of the night I'm like I can't call him right now it would be really mean so let me just use all of my lingo and see what I can do so I go out there and I look at the cop and I'm like all right so what do you got him on? And he's like, they're all smoking weed out here. And I said, but like how much? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, enough. And I was like, all right, well, if you take them, are they going to make the book? Now, making the book is this thing that when a police, I don't know what the time is, so all of this is made up, but let's say you get arrested at 9 p.m. If you're in the precinct and registered by 10 p.m., you'll get to night court and you don't have to be in jail overnight like in the jail at the precinct. So the registered is the book. Well, it's like, are you gonna make the book before you close out that book in a new book? Right. right, so I go, are they gonna make the book? And he was like, they're not gonna make the book. And I was like, come on, can't you just make them make the book? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, they're not making the book. And I said, what are you gonna do, drive around with them in the van all night? Because now I'm getting sassy, because I'm not getting my way, <laughs> which is like not the way to go with cops. Um, 
So what they used to do at the time, and this isn't me talking smack about police officers, nobody yell at me or anything, but they used to do this thing, and they probably still do this thing, where they want overtime. <laughs> so they put a bunch of people in the van and drive around for the rest of the night in like a sting operation. I'm air quoting. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they drive around and look for other people or maybe not look for other people, but purposefully sometimes don't make the book so they get overtime because the police officers have to stay late then if they don't make the book. So at that point, he, they had the option to make the book, but he was basically saying they're not making the book. So I said, what are you going to do, just drive around with them in the van? And he was like, well, tonight's you know, a night when we're canvassing and finding other people doing the same thing. And I was like, this is so stupid. It's like the tiniest amount of weed. And he was like, they're not making the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, crying. Sergeant. Well, he didn't like really have anything on me. I wasn't <laughs> even drinking beer. Like, I wasn't even like doing anything. I was like sitting in a bar. <laughs> so, um... He goes, I'll tell you what, though, get everything they have on them and take it so they don't have to check. So when you get arrested, and I only, I've never been arrested, knocked on wood, um, <laughs> they take all your possessions and they check them, and then to get them back is like an ordeal, especially in New York City, because we're, we're, when they check your stuff, it goes to Long Island City, and Long Island City is like a disaster to get to from anywhere reasonable. So... He said, get all their things, and you take it with them, so when they get out, they don't have to go, you know, get their stuff in Long Island City. So, I go with my friends, and they're all cuffed with, like, the, the twisty ties. Not, like, the real handcuffs, like, the plastic things. And they're just standing there, and they're like, what's going to happen? So, I'm kind of going over with them, like, what's probably going to happen next? And I was like, but well, what you need to do is you, the, the cops are going to come over, they're going to let your hands loose, and you have to give me everything you have on you. Like anything you have, like jewelry, phones, computers, any other drugs, any paraphernalia, you need to give it all to me. And they're gonna let you empty your pockets right now. So when he comes over, just give it all to me. It's like literally in a matter of seconds, I had thousands of dollars worth of like jewelry, phone, drugs, like every, like so much stuff. And I have it all on me and the cop knows I have it on me. So I'm like, oh God. <laughs> So I take it all, and at, you know, at MTV Networks at that time, if you worked past 9 p.m. and you lived in an outer borough, they would send you home in a town car, so you didn't have to take the subway. So I'm like, I'm taking a car home. Like, I can't go on the subway with all this stuff. It's going to get killed. <laughs> so I call one of the town cars, and the like, town car takes me home. And then the next day, I barely slept. I was, I was everybody's one phone call. So a total of four people were arrested, and I was everybody's one phone call. Except for one guy, he called his wife, but he was the only one that was married. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next day, I barely slept. I had a very early um, edit session, and at the time, it's not how it is now. Like, editing, being in an edit session was way more complicated. Things took much longer, and I had spots that had to be on the air the next morning at 6 a.m. So now this is Friday. I have spots on the air at 6 a.m. I had I knew I had a, a lot of rendering to do, but Tyler had his first edit. His first promo was due that night for the other MTV networks that Friday night for his new job. For his new job, right? And he his one phone call to me from prison was, "Please run my session for me for a completely other channel." Like I didn't even <laughs> know what the show was. I didn't know anything. So I was running my promo session for VH1, and then on the phone running Tyler's session for a different network, uh, 
trying to figure out little, I don't even know what, what, <laughs> like I knew nothing. Like I didn't know this. So I'm literally running that session over the phone, trying to get them into like an earlier court session by working any angle I can possibly find. I call Mabufla. <laughs> and Mabufla was like, well, now they're in the system. I can't do anything. Why didn't you, you call, call me last night? night? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't want to call you in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, and that was it. They, they all got off with a, uh, a misdemeanor that went away if they didn't get in trouble for a whole... Oh, this is really actually funny. If they didn't get in trouble for a whole other year... It would have went away completely. <coughs> well, Mr. Tyler, the big trouble one of the bunch, six months later got a ticket for tinkling in public. Oh, no. <laughs> he peed. No, no, no. Is that like sex offense? I, maybe I don't know. He got in trouble for peeing. So I had that time I did call Mabufla, and Mabufla helped with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so much love to the cops, and especially to my Lou, who I love so much. That's it. Yay! <laughs> How long were you on the phone during the editing session? Was he able to like just stay on the phone? His or? boss never found out he was in jail. I made a spot for a channel and for a show that I had never even like remotely. And for the competition. Well, it was well, MTV Network, company, so yeah. same company. Um, yeah, they never knew that he was in jail. And was, but was he on the phone with you in jail for like hours? Extended? No, he just said, you have to run my session ah, for me. It. This is where it is. Right. This is who my editor is. Make it happen. And I was like... Okay, and I hung up, and I called the other. I, call, I spoke to the editor. In New York, um, the television industry is a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. Like everyone that works in it kind of knows each other, so I knew the facility. So I was able to talk to like one of the head people at the facility and tell him, "This is what happened. Tyler's in jail, and I <laughs> need to." <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was it wasn't. Oh, it, was the edit house. it was the edit house. Right. So I was just like one of the guy, you know, the producer is in jail. Like, I need to run a session, and I know nothing. Like, I don't know anything. I don't even work for this channel. <laughs> so we, he kind of helped me out. And then um, I had some other people do a little bit of recon, but only people I trusted, because I didn't want to... My, like, goal in life was to not... Uh, Tyler was very, like, you cannot let anybody find out. This would be, like, the end of the world for me. Yeah. Nobody can know. Like, he'd never had anything like that happen to him, so he was very, like, I just need this... This is my first day at my news, my first edit session. Like, I can't screw this up. And I was like, all right, I got it. And we got it. We did it. Wow. Wow. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> You're a very good friend. Oh, thanks. If I go to jail, calling you. Yeah, I'm a good person to call in emergency situations. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, like, panic. Everything stays very copacetic. <laughs> oh, my God. They all owe you. Big time. Oh, they've paid me back millions of times. Oh, <laughs> Tyler. You're going to love this part. Tyler called me today and told me that he lives in the same building as one of the members of Blink-182. Oh, and that Blink-182 person gave him a vinyl of the new record, and he's giving it to me. I'm so excited. <laughs> 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 because I'm really a, I'm a 14-year-old boy inside of a woman's body. It's <laughs> like a mom. <laughs> Okay, so my story takes place in Hawaii, in Hawaii Kai, which is a small suburb of Honolulu. And sort of that small town vibe uh, was the same group of cops there for years. In fact, the cops in Hawaii drove their own personal vehicles, so they got an extra allowance. And you knew the cops by their vehicle. That's the, the green Ford Explorer, that's the black Monte Carlo, <laughs> the, the, the one guy who had the Impala when Impalas came back, you know, it was a big deal. 
and you didn't really know the cops, but you rec- kind of recognized their faces, and you sort of knew, like, oh, you'd see those three cops in that one area, but there were no black and white cruisers or anything like that. It was just the, you know, the local enforcers, and they drove by themselves. They were not two cops in a car. Um, and sometimes they were undercover. You didn't. You started to recognize like what a cop car was and what to look for. And it was like well, square headlights was one giveaway, you know. But they wouldn't. A lot of times wouldn't have the light on top. So you would just like if you saw a Camaro and there were a lot of Z Rock Camaros that were cops. <laughs> you just kind of like slow down or you did whatever. And we there was a group of us who started hanging out at about the age of 15, 16. We all started smoking pot together and drinking together. Uh, and we were like in retrospect. We were punks, you know? But at the moment, at the time, we were in the right. We were righteous. We were the heroes of the story at all the time, you know? <laughs> and the other guys were the punks. The meth heads were the punks. The whatevers were the little grommets. They were the punks, and we were the good guys. So it didn't matter what crimes we committed because we were justified in just being us, basically. So um, this group got whittled down after high school a little bit. A few people went off and got down about four or five guys. And we used as sort of a Bible or a guideline was the film Dazed and Confused, where they, they got into trouble and they did things. And one of the things they did was play. You said as a guideline. <laughs> <laughs> Dazed and Confused was like your you your, your you like life. Over that. It was. <laughs> well, we used you to. You use the Bible as a guideline. We you used to. Dazed and Confused as a guideline. We used to watch it over and over. We would go to various people's houses. We skipped school. We bought and sold pot we were you know found various ways to support ourselves and worked at fast food restaurants and embezzled most of the money every night just enough to like you know make the drawer match and whatever we were very good (laughs) at what we did and not getting caught and but we were stupid at the same time I mean we drove drunk we drove high on acid there was a night I sat there with my mom driving in my mom's car with the car running and the air conditioning going peaking on acid where the the you know, everything is moving and going off, and then the cops were all of a sudden surrounding our car, and we're all tripping balls on us. This is not the story. This is a segue, sorry. but It's okay. And the cops sat there and told us to leave. We were in the parking lot of the Taco Bell that we worked at, and I sat there for about 10 minutes trying to start this car that was already running. <laughs> <laughs> and these cops, when, once I figured it out, were like, oh, shit, they let me drive away. Wow. Like, that's wow. the, it was a weird environment. I had police steal pot from us. They uh-huh. would bust us in a park, find the pot, and you know, when the other cops would show up and they'd be like, don't say anything, and they'd you know, hide it or whatever, and oh, I'm gonna let them go, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the cops were weird. They were, they were stoners themselves, largely. They, they were punks. They were, they were the real punks, basically. We used to call them rollers. The rollers are coming. Oh, yeah. um, and they wouldn't really like, there was violence. People would attack each other, and it would just be like, I don't really wanna bother arresting anybody, so, don't do that again, you know. It was like it was a small town kind of vibe. So we we um, one of the things that we always wanted to do um, from Dazed and Confused was mailbox baseball, which ended pretty abruptly, I think. In that movie, they got shot at just about right away. And so this was a night we were hanging out on our old high school, which is you know we were 20 years old at this point. Um, we'd gotten multiple cases of, of Budweiser or whatever we had. And we could buy we could buy alcohol in Kapahulu, which is where the Korean liquor stores were. And, you know, we all had some scruffle at that point and, and they just didn't card us basically. So we would just buy alcohol every night. We'd drive down there and get it. And so we were in Kaiser High School, which is uh, hopefully I, I 
probably, it doesn't matter at this point. But anyway, <laughs> so we would every night, no, not every night, but we would go there quite a lot, sneak onto the school, use drugs, get high, drink, uh, sometimes vandalize, but most of the time we respected it because you want to come back, you right? So, but this night we were we were hammered. And uh, somehow we found a baseball bat. I think it was one from the baseball team. We were walking around Kaiser, uh, destroying trash cans with it, which is loud, you know, and there are houses not too far away. And so the cops got called, and we ran out of there from the cops. And running on foot from the cops on, at, at Kaiser was like a ritual, you know. It was like you go as long as you can, and then you would see the flashlights coming and be like, run cops, and everybody just runs. And you're, you know... You run out somewhere, and you parked far enough away where you could get back to your car. Uh, but this night, we got drunk. We did our vandalism. We were punks. And then we got in the car and drove drunk away from, from the school, and we had the baseball bat, and it just like the light bulb went off, and it was like, tonight's the night. So we drove first to Portlock, and this was in my Trans Am, my yellow Trans Am. Nice. Very low-key. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like the Smokey and the Bandit yellow Trans Am with the hood and the bird. And it was the probably the only one on the island, but it was definitely the only one in my corner of the island, you know? So, <laughs> so inconspicuous. Yeah. So we drive to Portlock, and Portlock is like the rich area in our somewhat, you know, middle-class uh, neighborhood um, and Portlock is like on the coast with the million dollar homes and whatever and so that was you know where you kind of took out some of your venom was on the people who had money we were a bunch of broke teenagers and uh, so we started playing mailbox baseball and it was going well you know some of them were dings people got hurt a little bit because you sometimes you'd hit a mailbox and it didn't break so you just got a ring you know oh. with the mail yeah, yeah. Um, and we wound up in Mariner's Village and it was my turn at bat so Rob got in the in the driver's seat and we're still completely wasted and I'm I'm in the passenger seat and there's probably three guys two or three guys in the back seat uh, and so I think this was my first or second I think it was my first mailbox I'm pretty sure it was and I'm leaning out of this car and you're we're weaving around parked cars to get to the mailboxes <laughs> so I'm leaning out from probably about my waist out of the window of a Trans Am which is it's cut back in a weird way so you can kind of get back and the and the top of the car isn't straight above the window it kind of you know mm -hmm. angles in so I'm leaning out with a with a baseball bat and we see a mailbox that looks like a big house or something like that like it's obnoxious and then we are going for sort of the gaudy mailboxes I and like that you had a system. Like, yeah. you, had, like, <laughs> like you had like. Well, it was well, justified, we right? Yeah. The gaudy ones, not the little normal ones. Uh, and so we see one, and it's like there it is, right? It's Casey is at bat, and this is my moment to shine. And so uh, I tell Rob to gun it. Rob guns it, and you know, going. I don't know. Probably it's probably not as fast as it was. Probably 20, 30 miles an hour or something like that. And I'm out the window, and I hit the mailbox, and it's glorious. This thing goes off in one piece and sails through the air. <laughs> like, you know, catches the light of the street lamp. The light is shining off just the like baseball bat, just yeah. like in the movie. I, I fucking did it. And, and I'm hanging out the window, and everybody's cheering. And then as the mailbox is sailing sort of over the front of the car, you know, or whatever, out into the street, I forget exactly where it landed, headlights start coming towards oh. us right from around the bend. And I'm still hanging out of the car. Uh, and it wasn't, the bend was not that far away. It was 30, 40 yards down, down the road. And it's like, and there, it's coming at us. And it's, and sure enough, it's square headlights, you know. 
and a lot of cars had square headlights, but you knew if it was like American made, the, the odds you were you were running into something was bad. So I carefully slide back <laughs> into the into the Trans Am, and and Rob has to slow down quite a bit at this point because we're speeding, you know. The mailbox is sort of bouncing along the road in Norway. <laughs> and and so we slow down, you know, reasonable. Every, the speed limit's like 25 everywhere there, and you don't speed because you'll get caught. You know, they'll bust you for like 10 over sometimes. And there's a lot of speed traps. Not at 2 in the morning, but um, anyway. So I sort of, as I'm slinking back into the car, I see it's the green Ford Explorer. And and I, there, I don't think there was a light on top, but I, I knew it was a cop car. I knew it, and I lock eyes with the dude as I'm still sliding back into the, the car with the baseball bat. bat. And, and like you were saying, it's like that every, the time sort of stops. Yeah. The two cars had to just sort of cross each other. And I can only imagine what he saw was like four or five mm -hmm. kids in a car all just looking at him <laughs> with red glassy eyes. And, and we were all just looking at him as we, you know, we drove by. And we saw his just angry sort of stoic face. <laughs> and... And and we passed each other and we're like, oh fuck! And that that where you like your your heart drops and you're mm -hmm. like, we're fucked. There's yeah. no getting and your out of this. Adrenaline starts going. Oh right? yeah. yeah, and we're drunk. You're, we're we're we're, we're drunk time. driving. Yeah. yeah. There's a broken and, mailbox. And there's a, oh he saw it. He saw <laughs> it going through the lights. And like like his headlights lit it up. I think right. that's kind of what it was. And, <laughs> so yeah, and and so we're going slowly. Towards, towards the bend that he came out of, and we're all looking in the rearview mirror, and then we see the red brake lights, and we know he's we know he's coming at this point. And in, in a split second, we're just like, go. And so Rob what? hit the gas. <laughs> Why? So, so Rob hit the gas. So Rob guns it, oh and we go squealing out like we take off, and it's a loud, you know, V8 engine at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning, and we gun it and we go around the bend, and and it's sort of a valley, like there's one way in and one way out. There might be two streets, but it all comes down to a point at some point, and so we we go further into Mariner's Village, I think that's what it was called, and and. We haven't seen, or we see the headlights kind of like turning around as the guys turning around as we go around the bend. You must have just been going, you bastard. Yeah, yeah, are you kidding me, yeah. right? And we uh, take a left, take like the first left we can, and then we take the first left into a parking lot, and we wedge this car, this Trans Am, in between a giant truck and a boat that's parked in the trailer, in the parking lot, to the point where we can't open the doors. <laughs> and it's another poor life choice. <laughs> another what? I said another poor life choice. Yes. <laughs> the first one was peeling away, and the next one is that you can't get out of the car. Well, well, the idea was hiding the car. <laughs> right. it, was, it was just sort of out of sight where we hooked into the parking lot, hooked left, and then right into the space. So it was another good reason that these windows were windows you could climb out of because we all right. climbed out of the car and onto the hood and, and ran. Uh, <laughs> and we were in Mariner's Village, and so there's like marinas, and then there's big grassy central areas, and there's just a bunch of like townhouse condos. And we, we just sort of like for the next hour and a half, I would say, hid in various points in it, watching him circle us, circle oh like the streets that went around this thing, looking for you know the spotlights are coming up, but it's still just him. It's still just the one cop. Uh, 
and we just hid and we we had to move at points you know like it was like all right go this way go this way and hide around the uh, building and and we were good at running on foot from cops at this point we'd done a lot of it after all you start to sober up and then you're cold and you're tired yeah Ooh. well it wasn't cold it was way but oh, right. but you the adrenaline's coming down and you're sobering up and you're like we're fucked because yeah. he knows our car you know, and it was my car yeah. uh, and Rob's car is at Taco Bell the same aforementioned Taco Bell which is probably about three miles away or something like that so we just waited out basically and I, I don't know if he didn't see the car wedged behind the, the boat or if he knew the car was there and was like I'm going to find these fucks but he at some point like stopped circling around we're like okay it's it's time we waited long enough you know, we, so we started walking and there was basically one main drag Lunalilo home road which was the drag to get back from where we were to the Taco Bell so we had to skirt through people's yards because we didn't want to be seen walking on the street because nobody else is out there at this point there's nobody right so for a couple miles down the road we had to like go through people's yards <laughs> and and wind our way back and we got Rob's car and we all went home I think and we came back no no we either got my car that night or we came back in the morning and got it I think we we waited like two or three hours more and came back got it and I went home and it was you know a couple miles for me to get home from there and parked it in the driveway like down in the driveway so you can see it from the street unless you were like right there uh, and didn't drive it for two weeks or something like that <laughs> like I was like there's no way I'm driving because it was the same cops every right. night right. and we were the same kids there was different groups of kids but we they that guy knew like he knew he'd seen that car at Taco Bell he knew I worked at Taco Bell and so we would see the cops come around and they came around I think a little bit more right after that and they would kick us out but we were hanging out at our workplace so it was a little bit acceptable not that we were doing drugs and stuff but that we were there and uh so the first day I drove it out, uh, it was, you know, two weeks later. I'm like, I got to do it. I got to drive my car at some point. So I drive out, and I'm on Clanianioli Highway, which is the main road. As soon as I turn on, on and it was, it's also a road highly patrolled by the cops. It's sort of the one in and out of town, you know. Uh, and as soon as I turned on it, a cop came out from the side thing right up behind me and was, like, on my ass for a mile. I drove, you know. Whatever the speed limit was, yeah. yeah. And he was like six feet behind my car. There was no bullshitting. It was just like, you know, uh, I'm on you, but he didn't pull me over. He didn't do anything. He followed. Finally, he turns the light on, and this was after at least a good mile. Turns the light on, and I start to pull over, and then he just goes. And it wasn't the same cop. I'm like, okay. And I think I'm going to work. I think I'm going to Taco Bell that night. And uh, in fact, I think that's how it all sort of ties up. And then go work and we're doing our regular thing after work and there's all our cars in the parking lot and we're getting high and you know whatever you don't you learn you don't learn your lesson at this point I guess uh, I was a lucky guy uh, and they came that night and it was either that night or like the next I forget what it's all kind of a little bit of a blur but um, they came and kicked us out and, and there he was and he was in his his green you know and there's like four cops at that point you know and he must have not told anybody because how do you tell your other cop buddies that those fucking punks got away from you, right? In the yellow. So, in the <laughs> in yellow train, yeah. yeah. With a bird on it. Because he never called anybody else that night, you know? Like, And so he must have been pissed, but like I, he couldn't do anything because it would have been humiliating for him, I guess, right? Right. So, luck of the draw. Luckily, they didn't call a helicopter. I don't know. I don't think I ever saw a helicopter in my entire 15 years wow. living in that neighborhood, but... 
So that was that. High wow. speed pursuit. Yeah, yeah he got away. <laughs> what happened to the Trans Am? Where, where did the Trans Am? I drove it for several years, and it finally just took a shit, basically. Like, I, it was a piece of shit to begin with, and it got worse. It was a website is ianscreams.com i-a-n-s-c-r-e-a-m-s -E and, and, and the music that you hear at the beginning of this podcast every is my music yes I do all the music, music for this it's random pieces of things that I've composed over the years and they're awesome uh, they're all and they have nothing to do with the show but they're just they're they just there the yeah. they're the musical accompaniment of the show it is yeah. the sonic branding oh well yeah. and I'm in a band I'm a musician and, and, and you know I have fun with it and that's yeah. my thing so alright cool Biblical Proof of UFOs that's the band Biblical Proof of UFOs wait what what is the name of the band stop and do that slowly please <laughs> Biblical Proof of UFOs ah okay thank you alright Ben Mr. Ben Wells Ben Wells uh, you can follow me on Twitter mm -hmm. and Instagram but primarily Twitter I like to, I like the tweets at the Ben Wells T-H-E-B-E-N-W-E-L-L-S uh, on Twitter at the Ben Wells and follow Instagram. Him. Follow me. Follow. Very entertaining. Yeah. Tweets. Yeah. That's it. I do the at midnight. The at midnight stuff. You can follow me on Twitter, but I only use it to yell at people when I'm angry with them. <laughs> or like everyone else does. Well, mainly like mostly yeah. companies, like yeah, a customer right. service complaint. Sure, sure. Or to tweet about my children. <laughs> Um, and I'm on Instagram. Both of those are Stina Daisy. So the back half of Christina, S-T-I-N-A, Daisy like the flower, D-A-I-S-Y. You can find me there. All right. You can find me um, Twitter and Insta at Mary Jo L-A. And um, you can find the podcast. Um, our website is myfirsttimepodcast.net, and first is spelled out, F-I-R-S-T, so myfirsttimepodcast.net. And you can follow us on Twitter at My First Time Pod. It's again spell out first, and we ran out of characters, so pod. And um, you can also visit the My First Time Podcast Facebook page. 
And we are on iTunes, so please find us and download us. And Colleen, we miss you, and we love you. Pop it up. And uh, I think that's it. That's it. It was a good show. It was All a right. really great show. It was awesome. Great. Stay safe. Thanks for having us. Respect to the cops. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, especially at this cops. at this time, uh, we we send our love to the cops. Be yeah. safe. All right. See you in September. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye Felicia. <laughs>